Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 373, and today we are talking about books being released on August 2nd, 2022, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Danica Ellis, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Danica, hello! Hello! How's it going? I mean, mean more than like, you know, we already talked about before we started recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we ended up just chatting for like 20 minutes. Yeah, we had a lot of, we had a lot of solid complaints to make about. Yeah. Not work, but like bureaucracy and trying to get by. (laughs) I think we are both dealing with a heat wave right now. So we have that in common. Though here, so where I live is so mild weather that I think the heat wave for us is like 25 Celsius, which I think is like not quite 80 in Fahrenheit. But for us, that's really hot. And no one has air conditioning. Oh, my. And... It's, uh, yeah, it's been a little bit of a struggle, especially because for some reason, it's hottest, like, at night. It's reaching the hottest time That's weird. at, like, 5 p.m., and then it doesn't get much cooler all through the night, which is awful. <laughs> yeah, we've had some hot nights here. Uh, we actually bought a little inflatable pool after, like, nine summers of being like, it's so hot. <laughs> um, we bought a little inflatable pool, which is, like five by eight, I think. And first of all, I bought it and it was like, you need to blow this up with, you know, an air pump or, you know, something. And I was like, no, I don't. So like when it arrived, I blew it up on my own. I donated almost all my allotted breath for the day. (laughs) It took me (laughs) almost an hour to blow this pool up. I I should have used an air pump, but I don't have one. So, you know, but it got done and we filled it and it's pretty exciting. You just, because when you're hot, you just sit in it and it helps immediately. My husband was kind of at first thinking, eh, you know, do I need this? Do we want this? And I was like, it's going to be great. And he's now Mm -hmm. 100% on board. You're hot. You go sit in it. It's cool. You get out. You get hot again. You go sit (laughs) in it. It's cool. It's great. Yeah. I also have set up several elaborate things um, because it's only like a foot and a half of water in the pool, but I'm terribly afraid of of like a chipmunk falling in or something and you know oh. getting tired and drowning so uh i've set up all these elaborate things that we put in the pool when we get out so that if if that were to happen you know a little animal could just float over to that and stay there until we let them out <laughs> <laughs> last year during the heat dome the city sold out of air conditioners it sold out of fans and it sold out of kiddie pools but we did <laughs> managed to find like in the pet section there was like a dog pool Uh, so we got (laughs) that and honestly it's pretty great because you don't have to blow it up it has like hard sides you just kind of unfold it 
Yeah, and I've been I've definitely been hanging out in that. Oddly, the dogs will not go near it. Interesting. They just think it it's a bath and they hate baths. So they just <laughs> That makes sense. I can see that. No matter how hot it is, yeah. they will not come near that. <laughs> I mean, I love swimming. This is not something that you would be able to swim in unless you were a baby. You know, but <laughs> it does the job. It's hard for me cuz I don't swim in the ocean, which is mm. about 2 minutes down the road from me. You know, so I'm like, I wish I could go swimming, but I don't swim in the ocean. So <laughs> this is my first step. You know, I'm just mm-hmm. going to submerge myself in the pool and cool off. I did finally go swimming for like the first time in, I think, eight years. Wow. Uh, the other day at my husband's cousin's pool. I drove almost three hours, got in the pool, swim around for a few minutes, got out because I haven't been swimming in eight years. My arms immediately <laughs> felt like they were going to fall off. Yeah. So... It was great, though. I am a big mm-hmm. fan of pools. I've asked my husband for a pool for many years now, but it's completely not feasible you know, or doable. Yeah. But I'm still like, wow, a pool would be great. That would be great. <laughs> but it's so hot. It's been like 75 here at night, and it's just mm. ridiculous. Although yeah. we've had amazing fireflies. I think I mentioned them last time. But after many years of not having them, just as soon as the sun is almost set, the fireflies come out and it's wild. It's absolutely wow. wild. You can just like watch them go from one place to the other and they go up into the trees. And so now every night at around 8.50, I look out the back window and watch all the fireflies. And it's really, really fun. And they're probably like flashing like things that say like, look at that dumb lady looking out the window again. <laughs> like, get a life lady. This is like the 17th night in a row that you've watched us. <laughs> Anyway, they might not be saying that. Um, They're definitely not talking about books, which is something that we're going to do here in a minute. First, we are going to hear from a sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. Also, before we talk about books, I want to remind you that we are hiring a Book Riot. You can come and work with us. We are hiring an editorial operations associate. So if you love getting into the nitty gritty of behind the scenes work, we are looking for someone to help us keep our metaphorical content trains running smoothly. And you can work with the Ed Ops team to support editorial and the Book Riot writers. We are committed to building an inclusive workforce and strongly encourage applications from women, individuals with disabilities, and people of color. Apply by August 8th, 2022. You can go to bookriot.com slash join dash us. There, I said it. (laughs) So what you won't hear when this podcast drops is a bird flying into my window while I was trying to read the last ad. But the bird is okay, and I'm okay now after many mistakes that Jen will have to remove because I was kind of (laughs) flustered. But now we're actually going to talk about books, and it's going to be awesome. My first pick for today is All This Could Be Different by Sarah Tancam Matthews. This is just one of the amazing debut novels out this year, uh, and it's so, so good. It's about a young, queer, first-generation Indian-American woman who has moved to Milwaukee for a job, made some friends, is having some issues, 
So first, things look promising for Sneha, who is out of college and ready to take on the world. She's moved to Milwaukee for this job. She's making friends. She started dating women. She's sending money home to India. And things are looking good. But as we know, life is unpredictable. First of all, her boss is a super jerk who withholds paychecks. And you might be thinking, oh, no one can do that. But you'd be surprised what kind of shenanigans go on at businesses all the time. Uh, the place where she lives, the property manager, is a nightmare. Also, she's a queer Asian-American woman in a Midwestern city in America, which comes with its own problems. Uh, and then Sneha meets a dancer online and thinks this might blossom into something wonderful. But, you know, everyone is complicated. And Sneha isn't really great at communication. So their relationship is not the fairy tale that she hoped for. It's kind of a story of... Not just the world now, but how our past interferes with our present, our secrets, and our traumas interfere with with our lives and how they shape us. What especially makes this novel spectacular, I think, is the writing. I was completely invested in this beautiful story about friendship and love and the complexities of life. Sneha is a great character. She's smart and she's strong and completely believable. And that sounds like a weird thing to say sometimes about a character, but occasionally you read a book and the person is just, nothing is ever their fault or they never do anything wrong. And so I like to point out like, you know, oh, this character is flawed, like humans, but it's true, you know? Characters in books, they're just like us. You know, I just, I loved her. I also loved her friend Tig, who is just great. I do want to give content warnings for racism, homophobia, transphobia, which includes a character who is transphobic, xenophobia, chemical use and abuse, body shaming, mental illness, and suicide. This is a fantastic novel that I think you're going to be seeing everywhere really soon. It's All This Could Be Different by Sarah Tancam Matthews. That one is definitely on my TBR. It sounds so good. I read it, oh my goodness, so many months ago and almost forgot it when I got to today because <laughs> it feels like everything has already come out. And so I started writing up this other book and I was like, no, no, this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My first pick is It Sounds Like This by Anna Mariano. And I read this author's previous book, This Is How We Fly, a few years ago and really liked it, which is part of why I picked this one up. But my memory is so bad that it literally took me until the last page that says, if you want Ellen's story, pick up This Is How We Fly to realize that this is the same family as that book. It's looking at the sibling of the main character from This Is How We Fly, but I did not realize it the entire book. But in retrospect, it's nice to see that sibling dynamic from the other side. But this one is Yasmin's story. So Yasmin is a Mexican-American sophomore who is really excited to have a normal school year. Last year was Hurricane Humphrey, which demolished a lot of houses and really upended everyone's lives in her town. Her family was okay, but there was no marching band season, which is what she's really excited about. And school was postponed by months. It was a really weird time. And she is really determined to make the best of this year and to do really well. So her and her best friend, Sophia, have this healthy rivalry about who's going to be the first chair for the flute section. 
At least it used to be a healthy rivalry, but now it seems like that kind of good-natured ribbing has turned into something more cutting, and there seems to be less of a real friendship there. Still, she has a plan for this year, and she's determined to execute it. It definitely seems like since the hurricane, Yasmin is very invested in being in control and having her life in order. And it doesn't help that her mother is overbearing and she feels a lot of pressure to always be the good girl. Her mom and her non-binary sibling are constantly butting heads and she has to play the peacemaker all the time. Of course, it's impossible to always be in control. So when she sees a video of a band kid being harassed at a party, she reports it, hoping that the bullies will get told off. What she doesn't take into consideration is that the video shows underage drinking. And when she shows the administrators, that is obviously what they see. And the entire low brass section is suspended, which really is devastating for the band. They are completely out of balance. And what's worse is that everyone knows it's Yasmin's fault, and they definitely blame her for it. There is an Instagram account that was dedicated to just general band gossip, but it pivots to being almost entirely about how her Hurricane Yasmin has ruined everything, and it keeps up this harassment campaign against her for months. So Yasmin, who thought she was doing the right thing and maybe even showing leadership skills, is now hated, including by her best friend, whose boyfriend was one of the ones who was suspended. So to make up for it, she volunteers to try to learn how to play the tuba, and she is thrown in with a group of freshman boys who range from apathetic to painfully shy to the class clown. The thing I loved about this book was that I just felt so much for Yasmin. I think young women are so often expected to be the good girl who always does what's expected of them, always achieves excellence, and always takes care of everyone else before themselves. There's no room for her to be angry or make a mistake or express any of the messy emotions she's feeling. She feels like she has to earn every relationship in her life and that she's just one misstep from losing everything. She is in a pressure cooker, just pushing down on all of that, and it is bound to explode out. Like This Is How We Fly, this is a book that is packed with queer side characters and also has a questioning main character. So not only does Yasmin have a non-binary sibling, but lots of the marching band students are queer, which... I mean, really isn't a huge surprise. So a love interest is on the ace arrow spectrum. Two girls are dating, two guys are dating in the band. There's a trans guy, low brass, and more. And Yasmin, as I said, is questioning and may also be on the ace arrow spectrum, but she doesn't really come to a definitive conclusion about that. She is really confused by other people's experiences with crushes and sexuality, queer or straight. And when that character talks about his ace and arrow experience, she definitely seems to connect with some of that. This isn't a fast-paced book. It follows Yasmin through her year in band and focuses on the emotions and relationships. Apparently, it's a very loose Snow White retelling with the low brass boys being the seven dwarves, which is a fun Easter egg, but it's not a direct retelling at all. 
I was really invested in Yasmin's story, and I got so outraged on her behalf, especially at the constant harassments and insults she was getting on social media, but also when it came to her relationship with her mother and her best friend. I've definitely reached the point with YA where I feel less like I relate to the main character and more that I feel protective of them. But if you like the idea of a marching band YA novel, I definitely recommend this one. And that's It Sounds Like This by Anna Mariano. I think that's a really good point to make because we always change as we grow <laughs> and as readers we change. And that's, you know, something that I've noticed a lot lately as an older woman. Uh, I don't have children, but even just reading about kids in books has changed for me since, you know, I, you know, I was in my early 20s to, you know, in my 40s. Yeah. Like, for instance, a, a great example would be like The Secret History. I read that book when I was first 16, and, and I read it every year, and for many years I was like, this sounds rad, and when I get out of school and get out of this stupid town, like, I'm going to go uh, cause problems and be wild, and it's going to be <laughs> awesome, and, like, this is so awesome, everything that's happening in here, and now I read it every year, and I'm like, where are these kids' parents? Like, why isn't anyone paying attention to what they're doing? This is terrible. That's a horrible thing that you've done, you know? And, yeah. and I feel that way. Like, I feel very um, maternal towards a lot of characters now, whereas I didn't yeah, used to. Yeah, me too. You know, I actually yeah. feel that way. It's really funny. I feel that way, like, about basketball players, too, when I'm watching the NBA. I'm like, good job, buddy. Way to go, kid. You know, because I am old enough to be the mothers of all the people, <laughs> pretty much all the people playing basketball, maybe except LeBron James. Yeah. But anyway, my next pick for today is The Wild Hunt by Emma Seckel, which is out in paperback, it's a paperback original, out from Tin House, one of my favorite small publishers, automatic read always, Tin House, love them. Uh, this one is set on an island off the coast of Scotland uh, shortly after World War II. The main character is a young woman named Lee Wells. She and her brother grew up on this island uh, and left as soon as they could. Um, they could not wait to leave. It's a, it's a very small island. It has very few people, a couple hundred people, and like a tiny little town store and a post office and basically nothing else going on. And you kind of have to work your land and take care of everything yourself. And they grew up with their father and couldn't, like I said, couldn't wait to leave. But then, first of all, Lee's dreams of moving away did not work out for her. She moved to a big city and it, it didn't go as she planned and then she gets a letter saying that her father has died unexpectedly. And so she decides to return home to their home on the island. And it stirs up a lot of memories. And this is also an island that is frozen by grief. Many of the islanders have lost loved ones in World War II. And it's like the island has kind of frozen in place. People have stopped caring. They're not you know, doing upkeep on things. They're, they're, it's not the same place that she remembers. Not that it was like a vibrant, exciting place to begin with, um, but there's just so much grief just blanketing this island. And so this is like a lot of places after, after wars, you know, where they've lost people, except there's something a little different about this island. You have to be very careful during the month of October, because during the month of October on this island, it is a hell month, basically. There are supernatural birds... They're sort of like crows. They look like crows. They're called the Slua. It's a Celtic legend. Uh, and they live on this island during the month of October. And they harass the villagers. And you don't want to like interfere with them. You don't want to draw their attention. Supposedly, they contain the souls of the departed. Uh, and you don't want to cross them in any way. Like, for instance, um, I read this so long ago, I might be 
messing up the details here, but it's something like uh, somebody's barn, all these crows moved into their barn. Uh, so they, they didn't use that barn for like the month of October. Or uh, it was somebody's house, you know, the crows go and sit, sit on the porch. And so they decide like not to leave through the front of the house. You don't want to mess with these birds, basically is what it comes down to. And so, of course, when Lee gets there, it's practically October. And she's trying to, you know, her father died unexpectedly. They don't really know what happened to him. So she's trying to deal with that. She hasn't seen a lot of these people in a long time. Uh, and then a local boy who decided to take his chances and harass the Slua goes missing. And so Lee and Ian, who is a veteran of World War II and a widower who is now back on the island, they sort of team up because they want to find out where this boy is, like what could have happened to him. Um, and scary things are going to happen. So now Lee must decide what she wants. You know, is, she, is it worth risking her life to find this boy? And is she going to survive the month of October? I thought this book was fantastic. The writing is amazing. Uh, it's a slow-paced read. It sounds like it might be a supernatural thriller, but it's actually very slow-paced. And if anything, you know, I don't like to say anything negative about books, but I did find it to be a little bit too long, but it was worth it because it was fantastic. And something that really stood out for me about this book was the discussion of grief and of loss because of war. The so there are so many World War II books and, you know, I it's it's a privilege for me to say, like, I don't want to read any more World War II books right now, you know, because there are so many of them. But this one, the writing about the way people deal with loss and, and the way it affected them felt different to me than than many of the books that I had read. And yes, so sad, like so sad. But I thought it was beautiful, and the way that she handled it was amazing. I, I really felt like I was reading something I hadn't read before, which was great. I do want to give content warnings for attempted sexual assault, chemical use and abuse, violence, war violence and death, drowning, grief and loss of a loved one, suicide and suicidal ideation, graphic animal death, and gore. It's fantastic. It's The Wild Hunt by Emma Seckel. I feel like my next pick has connections Ooh. to that one. They're both kind of creepy wilderness <laughs> animal <laughs> books. Yeah. One thing I didn't mention that I love about this, sorry to like jump all over your, your no, title, I didn't mention is that I too would live in a place where I had to just tiptoe around animals all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd be like, that's okay. Murderous bird people mm -hmm. things. I'm fine. <laughs> I will follow your lead. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so my pick is The Honeys by Ryan LaSala. And I had a bunch of different books. I wasn't sure which one I wanted to start with. So I decided one weekend to line up about five different options. And I read the first chapter of each. And let me tell you, the first chapter of this book destroyed the chances of all those other books. That's exciting and sounds so fun. Just, <laughs> I definitely want to give content warnings for violence, illness, and death, both in the book and in my description of it. I won't be discussing this part, but I do also want to give a content warning for mention of sexual assault. So in that first chapter, the book begins with the main character, who is a gender-fluid teenager, waking up to his sister standing over him, telling him she loves him and that she's sorry, and then she brutally attempts to kill him. And as she 
tries to bludgeon him. They struggle until they fall from the top of the stairs. Mars lands on his sister, Caroline, and she dies. And that is, I have to emphasize, the first chapter. It is the first four pages of this book. And I had to keep reading just to see if it was a dream sequence or something. But no, Caroline's funeral is afterwards. This definitely starts with a bang. So Caroline is diagnosed postmortem with a brain tumor, and their well-to-do family covers up the details of her death. So no one else really knows that aspect of her death. They just think that it was a medical thing, just a brain tumor. So only Mars and his parents know that she tried to kill him or that he was involved in her death at all. So Mars, understandably, cannot wrap his head around the circumstances of her death. She spent most of her time and energy involved in the prestigious summer camp she attended, which is the Aspen Conservancy Summer Academy. And Mars is convinced that what happened to Caroline can't be simply explained with a brain tumor. At the very least, he wants to better understand what was going on with her in her final months of life. Once very close, they had grown distant in recent years, in part because of the camp. Mars once attended it too, but something happened, and that something kept him from ever returning, and it made him resent his sister's dedication to it. Still, he decides to return in order to uncover clues about Carolyn's life leading up to this attempt to kill him. So while this is a horror YA novel with some body horror and other specific scares, the real horror is Aspen itself. It's a summer camp full of insufferable rich people divided into two genders that are rigidly enforced, especially with the boys. And it's immediately clear why Mars doesn't fit in here. The homophobia and gender policing leaves little room for his gender fluidity. Mars is immediately alienated from his male peers, and although he finds moments of camaraderie, they always end up shattered by misogyny and toxic masculinity. One of the boys, Tyler, is gay, and the other Aspen boys expect them to be friends because of that, and instead Tyler resents him because he has found a way to fit in and assimilate, and Mars's refusal to do so endangers him. So meanwhile, Mars is attempting to get to know the Honeys, which are the beautiful, powerful, and ethereal group of girls who seem to rule the place. That's the cabin and friend group that Caroline had. They take care of the bees on the property, and everyone just seems to let them do whatever they want and kind of follow whatever they say. So quickly, Mars finds support for his theory that there is more than just a medical explanation for Caroline's behavior. Something is happening with the honeys. While most of this book is focused on the interpersonal aspects of this toxic camp, it definitely lives up to the horror label by the end. Between plain bad heroines and this, I'm beginning to think there's something about queer horror and wasps or bees, but I need one more data point to write an essay on this subject. Please, somebody give me an excuse. This is a fascinating look at power and oppression with an unsettling, dreamlike horror element. This definitely has a surreal aspect to it, especially in terms of the horror. This is a sun-drenched horror novel, perfect for the beach or for reading by a flashlight in a tent while you begin to imagine that the trees are watching you. And that is The Honeys by Ryan LaSala. Wow. Now I need to read that soon. Yeah. 
And also now I want to play the first chapter game. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> I already have several books going at once, but maybe just read the first. Sometimes I like to read like one chapter, then you know go through with like three books and then read the next chapter and go through three books and finish books that mm. way. So those are books that we have read and loved. And now we are going to talk about a few more of today's releases in hardcover and paperback that we are excited about but haven't necessarily read. I am going to start with Shudder by Ramona Emerson, uh, which was on my radar a tiny bit, but Jamie from Book Riot read it and loved it, and it has bumped it up because I read the description and I realized it has one of my favorite tropes in which people can see ghosts who ask them to help them solve crimes, and I really like books like that. Uh, this one is set in New Mexico's Navajo Nation and is about a forensic photographer named Rita, who works for the Albuquerque Police Force. Uh, she uses her photography skills to crack many cases, but what the police don't know is that, in fact, she can see the ghosts of the deceased at the crime scenes, who, I'm guessing, clue her into what happened to them, if they know. Uh, and then she gets called to a crime scene, or a scene of death uh, on a highway overpass, uh, that the police are ruling a suicide, and when Rita gets there, the ghost of the deceased tells her she was actually murdered and wants Rita to help her get revenge, which sounds awesome. Uh, so I'm very excited about this one. It is called Shudder, and it is by Ramona Emerson. And now we are going to hear from another sponsor. Okay, Danica, have you ever given any thought to how you would feel if you could see ghosts? Have I given any thought? I guess it would depend on the ghosts. Yeah. Yeah, I think the same. Yeah. I think if they were just kind of hanging out, it would be fine. <laughs> if they're violent, then it would be horrible. Yeah. <laughs> they're just like people that way, I guess. Yeah. I've been watching that show Ghosts on ABC or CBS or whatever it is, and then I watched all the mm -hmm. British episodes of the original, which was even better. And so I've been thinking a lot about ghosts lately, like, you know, D you know, like in the show, they're like, hey, don't follow us into the shower and don't come into our bedroom. But, I mean, if you can't see them, how do you really know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe we should just always pretend like there are ghosts everywhere who can see us all the time. And now I'm making myself <laughs> totally paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're like, they're my favorite. I think my favorite line. I'm just going off on a tangent like I do. I think my very favorite line in any television show ever was that Christian Ritter, James Vanderbeek show, the, uh, something about the bee in apartment, whatever. I can't remember what it's called. Mm -hmm. But he asked his friend what he's thinking, and he's like, I was thinking that ghosts know all my passwords. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> that's my favorite, like, favorite thing. Because I've, like, of course they do. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, I'll stop now. Okay. I'm going to sit on my hands and behave. <laughs> okay. My next book I want to talk about is The Book Eaters by Sunny Dean. And I was really hoping I would finish this book before recording, but I'm about two thirds of the way through. This story is difficult to categorize. It's kind of part fantasy, part fairy tale, part horror novel. So Devin is a book eater. She has superhuman strength. She doesn't feel the cold. She doesn't need to eat food. And she absorbs information from books by eating them. She is also incapable of writing. She is part of a network of reclusive book eater families, each with their own patriarch and strict set of traditions. 
Once she was a princess fed on a diet of fairy tales. As a book eater girl, she was highly valued, though she was also very carefully controlled. Girls are becoming increasingly rare among book eaters, so each book eater capable of giving birth is married off to two successive families, leaving a child with each of them. Except that Devin didn't follow the rules of her family, and now she is on the run with her mind-eater son. So instead of being born with a craving for ink, Kai craves human minds. As with everything, the family has a process for when this happens. Adult mind eaters are called dragons, and they're controlled by the knights, who are a group of book eater men who keep their dragons under tight control. A drug called redemption will stop dragons from requiring to feed on minds, but it can't stop the hunger, so they're still considered really dangerous. Knights keep dragons from feeding on book eater or human minds, and they also wield them as weapons, enforcing the marriages and transfer of children. Growing up to be a dragon was a bleak enough future for Kai, and then redemption ran out. The family making that drug took off, taking their secret process of developing it with them. So now Devin travels with her five-year-old son, finding humans to feed to him. And each time she asks them, are you a good person? Because their memories and mannerisms will be absorbed by her son. It's a horrible life for both of them, but Devon will stop at nothing to care for her son. She just needs to find the family who makes the redemption, and then they can start a better life. The book rotates between current day and the backstory of how Devon ended up here, starting from her childhood. Despite having a rough idea of Devon's past before getting to those chapters, I was just as absorbed in her backstory as the present day perspective. We also get a few chapters from her brother's point of view, who is a knight and who is very invested in keeping the family structure as it is while she is trying to escape from it. From the premise, I thought of this as a horror novel, but despite the bloodiness and, you know, the idea of a mother sacrificing people to her mind-eating son, it reads more as a fantasy to me. I guess a fantasy novel with teeth, which is fitting because the characters have a set of book-eating teeth. It is a fascinating look into the horrors we can do for love, especially maternal love. At several points, Devin reiterates this idea that love isn't necessarily a good thing. Her love for her son has left a trail of bodies in its wake. And to be clear, Kai isn't just a monster. He is a sweet, intelligent boy who doesn't want to feed on people, but it's the only way for him to stay alive at this point. Despite her love for him, though, Devin knows that her life would be better without him. Perhaps the world would be, too. She's daydreamed about his death, even while stopping at nothing to keep him alive. And maybe that's the horror aspect more than the deaths. There's also a sapphic main character and a minor romantic subplot with another woman. I obviously want to give content warnings for body horror, gore, violence, domestic abuse, and violence against children. I know a lot of people can't pick up books where bad things happen to children, so I want to especially flag that. I am really enjoying this thought-provoking, unsettling read, and I can't wait to get back to it. And that is The Book Eaters by Senyi Dean. Well, now I want to read that next. You got it. It's so good. (laughs) There's so many... Books out now are coming out, including one that I'm going to talk about in paperbacks that are like the book club, the book group, the book readers, the 
people in the bookshop. So I was just like, oh, the book eaters. It's going to be like this nice little cozy. No. No. (laughs) Apparently not. I have so many paperbacks to talk about today. I'm going to tell you about my next pick really quickly uh, so we can get moving along here. One more book that I'm really excited about that's coming out today is Mercury Pictures Presents by Anthony Mara. And some of you are already going, oh my goodness, a new Anthony Mara. And so every once in a while, I have this thing where I get so excited to read a book, and I know many of you understand, that I actually can't read it. This always happens to me with Elizabeth McCracken. Like, I wait till the last second to read Elizabeth McCracken. And Anthony Mara is the author of A Constellation of Vital Phenomena, which is just a phenomenal book. And The Czar of Love and Techno, which are stories, and people have been waiting a very long time for a new novel from him, including me, and I got so excited to read this that I haven't actually read it yet. So, hopefully this weekend, but it's about an Italian woman in Los Angeles in the 1940s. Uh, She moves to Hollywood uh, after she and her mother uh, move from Rome to America when her father is arrested, and she ends up working for a Hollywood production company called Mercury Pictures, but things are getting complicated with the war and politics and things going on at the studio, and it's supposed to be amazing. I I have no doubt that it will be. I love him. If you haven't read him before, I highly recommend going back and picking up A Constellation of Vital Phenomena and his collection of stories. And pretty soon, I hope to be able to tell you, maybe even uh, in the newsletter on Monday, because I haven't written it yet, if I if I uh, read it this weekend, I hope to be able to tell you about the amazing Mercury Pictures Presents by Anthony Mara. All right, I'll try to do a short version of this one, too. (laughs) It's A Broken Blade by Melissa Blair. And I recommend you look up the story of how this book came out. If you just Google Book Riot, Broken Blade, you'll see it. But essentially, the author was anonymous and sent this book to a bunch of book talk people. And they had a bunch of clues about who the book talk author was, and then revealed them. And it was very dramatic and very fun. So originally, this was self published, and now it has gotten a mainstream publisher. And that's what's coming out today. And it follows Kira, who is the king's top spy and assassin. Her new target is a figure known as the Shadow. But as she tracks him against Feyland, she begins to question her mission. The land of the Fey isn't what she expected, and neither is the Shadow. And the king may be her greatest enemy. So readers really love this badass female main character and the diverse cast, which includes a lot of queer characters and indigenous representation. This is by an indigenous author and explores the lasting horrors of colonialism. Kira is a morally gray character who is forced to make impossible choices to stay alive. So because this was written by a book talker, it has some of book talk's favorite tropes, including enemies to lovers and found family. I want to give content warnings for addiction, murder, death, and depression, as well as references to self-harm, torture, sexual assault, and suicide ideation. I'm really glad to see a queer indigenous book get so much love. And by getting republished with a mainstream publisher, hopefully this will get into many more readers' hands. Kudos to Melissa Blair for not only writing a book that readers love. It's gotten tons of positive reviews, especially on BookTok, but also just a masterful marketing campaign. I have not seen anything like it recently, and it worked very, very well. This is the first book in a series, so there's more to come if you like this one. 
and that is A Broken Blade by Melissa Blair. That's pretty exciting. That sounds like a really cool reveal. Yeah, it's fun. I always try to figure out who authors are when when we don't know who they are. Like, uh, I haven't <laughs> read Corinne by Rebecca Morrow yet, but I my friend just read it and loved it and then mentioned to me that Rebecca Morrow was a pseudonym, and so I spent, like, an hour and a half trying to figure out who it was, <laughs> even though I have not read the book. And I came up with a name that I told my friend, and I said, you know, someday when we find out who Rebecca Morrow is, I might be right. And she's like, I think you're right, so... I'm not going to spoil it for everyone right now, especially because I might be wrong and then look really dumb. But I just love pseudonyms. It's pretty exciting. Pretty exciting. Yeah. I, I still I really need explanations as to why people use pseudonyms when they just say, uh, you know, John Banville is writing as Benjamin Black. And I guess it's to keep their <laughs> genres different. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. So I already said I wasn't going to waste any time in here. I am. Uh, I have a lot of paperbacks. Today is August 2nd. There are a bazillion give or take, books coming out today, uh, and a lot of books coming out in paperback, a lot of paperback originals, so I'm going to talk even faster than I usually do, which you know is possible, you've heard it before, and tell you about some of today's paperback releases, starting with The Apollo Murders by Chris Hadfield, which I talked about on the October 12th show last year. This is a 1970s thriller set in space. There's a spy on the space shuttle. There's going to be a lot of action. I thought it was so much fun. Girl 11 by Amy Suter-Clark, which I talked about on the April 20th show last year. I can't believe it's just coming out in paperback now. But this is about a podcast host who discovers unsolved crimes and decides to handle the case of a string of unsolved murders. And lo and behold, the killer shows back up after many years. Uh, Billy Summers by Stephen King is out in paperback today about a killer for hire and one last job. You know I love a one last job story. This is the only one of his I haven't read yet, although there is one coming in a couple of months, a fairy tale or something, which will be which will be fun. Songs for the Flames, stories by Juan Gabriel Vasquez, translated by Anne McLean. Uh, Vasquez is a Colombian writer and has written things like The Sound of Things Falling and one of my favorites, The Shape of the Ruins, so I'm excited for these stories. You Sexy Thing by Cat Rambo, which I talked about on the November 16th show last year, which if you remember was being called like the Great British Bake Off in Space, about a former military member and their crew who opens a restaurant in space, but things get all messed up when uh, they're under attack. All's Well by Mona Awad is out in paperback today about a theater professor who thinks the answers to all life's problems will be solved if she puts on a production with her students of Shakespeare's All's Well that ends well, but her students are dead set on staging Macbeth instead. Agatha of Little Neon by Claire Luchette about Agatha and her sister's who must relocate when their parish goes broke. Uh, Luchette was a National Book Foundation 5 under 35 honoree last year. Something New Under the Sun by Alexander Kleeman. You know that I will forever be preaching the gospel of you two can have a body like mine, one of my very favorite books. Uh, and Kleeman's newest novel is set in a near future where there is environmental disaster, an author, and synthetic water, and a whole bunch of other things. Schwett by Claire Oshetsky. Uh, I immediately had to have this book because I read about the deal in Publishers Marketplace. Uh, It's about a woman who gives birth to a baby owl, which is called a Uh, Schwette. C-H-O-U-E-T-T-E. 
The Arsonist City by Hala Alan, about a family spread across the globe who return to their family home in Beirut when their father announces that he's going to sell it. Uh, and all the past hurts and slights and problems are going to bubble to the top. Radiant Fugitives by Nawaz Ahmed. This was a finalist for the 2022 Penn Faulkner Award for Fiction about a pregnant Muslim Indian lesbian living in San Francisco who receives a visit from her estranged mother and sister. And again, old hurts and secrets are going to bubble to the top. Is that a thing? Bubble to the top? I might just be making that a prize to the top. Bubble over? I think I'm combining them. I like to do that to save time. There's the memoir Made in China, a memoir of love and labor by Anna Q about how as a teen, Anna Q was forced by her mother to work in her family's garment factory in Queens, and she called child services on her mother. Uh, Husband Material, the sequel to Boyfriend Material by Alexis Hall, is out in paperback today. It's paperback original. Uh, Boyfriend Material was about the son of a rock star and a straight-laced barrister who have a fake relationship, and this is about their relationship going to the next level. Walking Gentry Home, a memoir of my foremothers in verse by Alora Young is a paperback original. It's a memoir in verse about how Young traced her ancestors in Tennessee from the unknown enslaved women forgotten by history down to her grandmother, her mother, and herself. The Hookup Plan by Farrah Roshan about a pediatric surgeon who has a great one-night stand only to discover that the guy she hooked up with is in town to decide the fate of her hospital where she works. Fault Tolerance by Valerie Valdez, a paperback original. This is the third in the Chilling Effect series. We talked about the first one on the show when it came out, Chilling Effect, about Captain Eva Innocente and her crew, which includes psychic cats, which I still think about them all the time because the cats on the ship brainwash people into opening the crates and letting them out all the time, and I'm pretty sure my cats can do that same thing. They seem to have some kind of sway over me. There's Thank You for Listening by Julia Whelan, which is out today. It's a paperback original about an audiobook narrator who has agreed to narrate one last romance novel. You might recognize Whelan's name. She wrote My Oxford Year and is also a certified tea master, which sounds pretty exciting. Um, I would just like to be able to make tea and get it successfully from the kitchen to my desk without spilling it. Uh, so uh, maybe that is what they mean by tea master. I don't know. Uh, and last but not least, Ben and Beatrice by Catalina Gamara, a paperback original out today, which is a retelling of Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing. Beatrice is a queer biracial woman who finds herself, quote, precisely where she doesn't want to be, spending a week at the ridiculous Cape Cod mansion of stupid hot playboy Ben Montgomery. And that is what I have for you in paperback today. Lots of great stuff. So many to choose from. Uh, And so, those are books and books and books and books and books. (laughs) Danica, what are you going to read next? When I heard thank you for listening, it reminded me on on Twitter, someone said that someone should make an audiobook mystery about audiobook narrators getting targeted and that it just switches narrators like seven times as the narrators <laughs> keep getting killed off. That's so dark. Which I love sounds it. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm going to read next is Coming Back by Jesse Zabarski, which is a sapphic graphic novel. It's a fantasy and it just seems very cozy. And I just want to pick up something really nice and cozy, especially after finishing Book Eaters. I think I'll, <laughs> I'll pivot a little bit. And what are you going to read next? 
Well, me, I want to read Book Eaters next now because you were like, <laughs> oh, violence gore. I'm like, yes, yes, give it all to me. Um, you know, and I want to read Shudder because I love the idea of the ghosts talking and I want to read The Honeys now. Uh, and also, yeah. I just got The Spite House by Johnny Compton, which is a horror novel out from Tor Nightfire, which was an imprint made just for me, I'm pretty sure. I love, you know, horror books. Uh, it's being billed as The Babadook Meets a Head Full of Ghosts. So Ooh. pretty excited about that. And that is all for us today. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. Especially thank you to her because she has a <laughs> lot of work to do today. We're very sorry. Yeah. You can drop us a line at allthebooksatbookriot.com if you want to talk about ghosts. You can find us online. Danica is on Twitter and Instagram at lesbrary, L-E-S-B-R-A-R-Y. I mostly hang out on Instagram at friends and comes alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is you get your podcast and leave a rating or a review. It helps other book lovers to find us. Uh, thank you. Big shout out to the person who uh, left that lovely review uh, and called me wacky. That made me indescribably <laughs> happy. <laughs> <laughs> and a reminder that we are hiring an editorial operations associate. You can go to bookriot.com slash join dash us to apply. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search bookriot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading. reading.